0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. It's 6.30, so we're going to get going. Uh, Man, I hope you guys, I was praying for you all this past week. I know we talked about being bold and unashamed for the gospel and sharing it, and it's just good, man. I'd love to tell you guys, it was not an easy week for me just when it comes to sharing the gospel. I had opportunities that I let slide. I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm eating, I'm out to eat, and there's our waitress, Patty, and the conversation just never really got there. Uh, I was at Target with my wife, which... You know, I'm like, why aren't we at Walmart? But she's a Target girl. And uh, our guy checking us out, Saeed from Pakistan with a family. He's been here for 12 years and I'm trying to engage in a conversation and get to the gospel, but we get through the line and get out. Uh, Man, it's just not easy. You know, we talk about this idea, I know last week, of sharing the gospel, being bold, being unashamed, seeing the power of God this week in us group of men. And and just, man, want to recognize it's not always easy and it doesn't happen the way We always wanted to, but there's just something about having that on your mind as you're going through the day. And uh, you know, there's different relationships. Next time I'm at Target and checking out Nile 20 with Saeed for the third time, I'm like, okay, I've got an opportunity. The guy today, uh, I go to the same place almost every Thursday for lunch and Brennan, who is our bus boy will be there. And I know where we're at in our conversation. So just encourage you guys. We go hard at that and and challenging and, and give that charge but also it's hard and and I'm still learning how to do better and it's good. But I'm excited today. We're going into Romans 2. So let me pray and we'll jump right in. Lord, just thanks for... Uh, your grace and your kindness in our life. Thank you for uh, the way you woke us up and got us here today when it's not easy always to show up at 6.30, ready to listen and learn and get after it. Pray you would just energize us, give us a focus, uh, because ultimately, God, we want to glorify you. We want to know you better. We want to be men who love you, love your word, love each other, and we want to be used by you. So would you just be with us this morning uh, and, and work in such a way where we can glorify you better this week. And so help us to learn something and use this time in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to tell you guys a story of a time when before my wife and I got married, we were dating and I decided, we were up in Stillwater in college, and I decided, you know what? I wanna do something special this time. I wanna do something different. So I decided, let's go to Tulsa. That's where my parents live. They've got this new movie theater with the recliner seats. It's gonna be awesome. So we drive to Tulsa. We end up getting in my dad's car. You know, I'm taking his nice Hemi 300C, the Chrysler, and I'm like, this is gonna be great. Uh, And so we're driving to the movie theater. We're stopped at a red light. Conversation's going well. And then all of a sudden I hear this, Boom! And I and I at that time look in my rearview mirror, and my face kind of goes from this to this, and then I hear a boom, and we get hit, and I'm you know, and just boom, whiplashes going on. We get pushed out of our lane, and you kind of just go into that shock. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm looking at her, like Allie, are you okay? Uh, you know, her neck's hurting, she's got a headache, and you're just kind of in this shock moment right? And so I make sure she's fine. She's good. She just has a headache. So I'm like, all right, stay in the car. Keep your seatbelt on. Don't get out. I'm going to go check on the other cars. So I hop out of the driver's side. I go to the car behind me and this is what I walk up on sitting behind me. And so if you can't see it super well, the entire back of that car, the trunk was in the back seat. This is the car right behind me that hit me. So I walk up, there's this high school girl, uh, that is just scared out of her mind, doesn't know what's going on. She's freaking out. She can't get out of her car. The, the driver's side door, door is jammed. Thankfully, she was the only one. So I'm, I'm walking her through. Hey, can you move your toes? Can you move your hands? Uh, are you bleeding anywhere? Are you having trouble ble- or breathing? I'm just asking her questions and find out, okay, she's ultimately, she's scared in shock, but I think she's okay. I'm like, hey, stay in your car. I'm gonna go check on the next one. So I leave her car and I start walking. And I just see there's only one car left, right? This big uh, black truck that just the front is messed up. And I'm starting to walk towards this truck and a guy gets out and he kind of yells at me, what happened? And I'm kind of looking around like, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what, what happened. You tell me, I was in front. And I walk up to him. By the time I get in front of him, I just smell alcohol. And I just go, hey, man, how, how much have you had to drink tonight? And his answer was, nothing, what are you talking about? And I'm like, all right, why don't you just go sit in your car and we'll, we'll wait for the police. So the police come and I'm just frustrated, man. I am, I am so upset and I'm thinking about what if that little girl had her little brother in the back seat or uh, what if he didn't hit his brakes as quick, you know, so many things could have happened. I was just so frustrated. We ended up going to see a different movie uh, and we're sitting in the theater and I, I just like cannot shake what just happened and how wrong it was and how mad. And then in, in, a, in a moment, I remembered something that just completely floored me and humbled me. And what I remembered was two years before that, before that date, I was sitting on a curb in handcuffs because I had gotten pulled over for drinking and driving. And I just realized, I watched justice get executed to this guy. I mean, the police showed up put him in handcuffs, haul him off. And I was, I was glad that happened. And then I was sitting in the theater and just realized, man, that, that is me, that was me, that could have been me. That didn't happen, that wasn't my story, thankfully, but I was the guy drinking and driving. And I just remembered how frustrated and mad and wrong I knew he was. And I had this uh, internal conflict of just how frustrated I would have been at myself for what happened two years ago. And I think about that story, and this is really um, what Paul is going to get into this week, is we've all got this sense of right and wrong. And I knew drinking and driving was wrong, and I knew in that moment what he did was wrong, and I was frustrated, I was mad. And then I also realized that the very moral standard that I have of right and wrong, and what I told him to do and not do, I had broken myself. Okay? And, and I think for us in the room, maybe you don't have that drastic of a story, maybe you do. Uh, but we've all done things that are wrong that we know we should do something different, right? We've all had this standard of right and wrong. and We've broken our own standards. So this is the way Paul starts Romans 2. He just says in the first verse, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, every one of you who declares there's right and wrong. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. And he's building his case. If you remember last week, Romans 1, Paul's addressing the pagan man, right? The guy who doesn't know religion, hasn't showed up to church, doesn't know his Bible, doesn't fill in the blank with religion or knowledge of God. He says, you stand condemned because of what? Because of creation. You can look around and you know that there's a God. And more than that, you know you stand rightfully judged before him. And Paul is driving his argument through Romans 1, 2, and 3 towards for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what he's doing. He's building that argument. And now in the second chapter, he he uses another point uh, to vindicate his claim that all are guilty before the Lord. And his point is, we all know right and wrong. And yet, even though we know it and we tell others what to do, we ourselves break it, right? And that's what he says in verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. So the the pagan man, the guy in the tribe of Africa we try and go to and talk about all the time, what about that guy? Everybody who's ever lived knows creation, points to a creator. Now Paul is saying, every man who's ever lived that's had any sense of a moral standard, a sense of right and wrong, knows that they don't completely uphold that standard and therefore their conscience in and of themselves bears witness that they stand guilty. And why is he driving this point home? He's trying to show people why they need the gospel. Right, and so if you look through civilization and back in history and study different places in different parts of the world, every civilization has had a form of government and law. They've always had a sense of right and wrong. And why is that? Well, that's because there's a creator who we're made in his image, who he puts inside of us a conscience and right and wrong. That's why, by and large, no matter what you believe, you can come to a conclusion of certain things and agree of what's right and wrong. We, we know murder and rape and these sort of things, the, the big ones, if you will, are wrong. We all agree about that. And why is that? It's because we all have the same creator. And more than just a creator, we know we stand rightly condemned and judged by that creator because that conscience we have inside of us tells us we're not always doing things we should do, right? And the things we know we shouldn't do are the things we do sometimes. So for some of us, man, if, if it's not drinking and driving and that's been part of your story, Uh, It may be how frustrated we get at our wives, right? Don't have a disrespectful tone with me. Don't get angry at me. Don't get upset. You need to, why have you done the dishes this week? You should be serving me. Has anybody had those conversations? And yet we've all, right, men in the room who are married, had disrespectful tones at times, right? Or how frustrated would you be if a guy stole from your company or your employer, or maybe you are the CEO or, or the employer. And if somebody stole from your company, how frustrated you would be But we steal from the company all the time. We show up later. We're on our Facebook or Instagram or social media or reading the news or doing other things at work on our computer that we probably wouldn't be doing if our boss was standing next to us. And we steal time and steal money. Uh, You know, those kids in the room, those of us who have kids in the room, you ever told your child to do something and, and they go, well, didn't you do that last week? You know, have you ever had to tell your kid, well, do as I say, not as I do, right? We've all got an example if we think about it of how we, we know the right thing to do, and yet we've done the wrong thing. And because of that, Paul's making the argument that we stand condemned before the Lord. And, uh, you know, another way I'd illustrate this, if you think, I think one of the worst jobs in the world could be is this weird thing called a referee. Uh, I, I've just, I've never left a sporting event and somebody go, man, that ref, you know, he just, golly, he, he was true and honest and integrity and never missed a call and just did amazing. Have, I've never left a game and heard that about a referee. If anything, the most complimentary thing I've ever heard about a ref is that although he made terrible calls, at least he made them both on the same side. You know, that's kind of the greatest compliment you give a ref. And I'm just like, who does this? I was sitting at a basketball game last week. My brother-in-law's uh, playing in the playoffs And there was this moment in the game, it was the fourth quarter, they're they're starting to make their comeback, and and my brother-in-law, Cade, has this wide open layup, and so he ends up underneath the basket all alone, he's about to shoot this layup, but you see this kid hauling from half court, and this kid is not just some average high school basketball player, he's the number three kid in the nation. And you're just watching him run towards Cade, and you go, okay, he's got enough time to make this layup. So Cade shoots this layup. The kid doesn't get there in time, but he still takes off from practically the free throw line. And Cade's shot hits the backboard, starts going towards the basket, and this kid swats it. And I'm sitting there, I'm clapping. I'm like, that is by far one of the most amazing things. And then everybody around me in the stands is going crazy. Like, what are you doing, ref? You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like... And the guys next to me are going, dude, stop clapping. That's not good. Like, what is going on? That was one of the most amazing, athletic, entertaining things I've ever seen. They're like, that's called goaltending. You can't do that. I'm like, I don't know the rules of basketball, but they should get rid of that rule because I would watch every game if guys could goaltend. And, uh, you know, they're just frustrated. And then they end up throwing, of course, they throw it down court. Another guy makes a layup, gets fouled. They make the basket. And it's just like... The spread got too wide at that point, and it was just a turning point in the game. I mean, it was the final dagger with a few minutes left. Uh, And I think about that, and I think about other parts of that game when we were on offense or or we were uh, trying to go for a layup, and we took a few extra steps, but the ref missed it. And what didn't happen was us in the crowd start yelling at the ref then, right? Like, hey, you missed a a traveling call. You can't do that. You can't take four steps. We were kind of silent in those moments, or when we accidentally kind of made a, uh, uh, the guy blocked him and hit his hands and you're like, the ref missed it, but none of us are yelling, but the other side is. And I just realized uh, how we, especially in Western civilization, right, have this idea that we deserve certain calls and don't deserve others. Or we like it when a referee or somebody that's in a position of justice shows a little bit of partiality towards us right? Gives us a little favor, is a little unfair. Yet when it's not against us, against the enemy or opposition or other team, we get frustrated, right? And the verse you guys memorized this week, hopefully, we'll find out, is Romans 2.11, right? And this is just the point he's going to make, is God is just. He shows no partiality. And a lot of us, we're in this game of life, and we, we don't want other people to not get justice, Right? It bothers us when the wrongs of other people aren't executed in the way we wanna see them executed. But if it happens to us, we're just, we're frustrated about that, right? In the same way we watch a game and a referee and when he declares something against us, we're upset. But against the other team, uh, we're even more upset if he misses that call. And we just all want partiality, somebody to injustice to give us a little bit of wiggle room, right? When in reality, God can't do that. And goes on to say in Romans two, uh, prior to this actually, that we presume on God's kindness. And so yes, sometimes he doesn't immediately right away execute final justice on people when they commit wrongs. And if he did, we wouldn't be in the room. But we get frustrated, why doesn't he do that? Or in our own lives, right? Some of us, I don't don't know what you were doing this week or what you're getting away with or what you're hiding in the dark, believer or non-believer. And we kind of just think, well, I never heard the whistle. You know, I'm just gonna keep playing, keep playing. I'm gonna see if I can get away with that again and again and again. And Paul's just going, man, you've presumed on the kindness of our Lord and Savior. And what was, meant to, what was meant to happen by his patience with you and his kindness towards you was that you would repent and you would see the goodness of our Lord and that he doesn't immediately just, when we sin, take us off this earth, but he's patient with us and he's slow. And I think for some of us in the room, you may be sitting in here and going, I, I don't know if I fully trust this Lord or not. And I don't know if I like his character. You may have had wrong or evil things happen to you or towards you or people in your life and you can't reconcile how God would let that happen. But the challenge would be to look inward and go, man, what, where are the wrongs that I've committed? And why, why am I still breathing? Why am I still here? And I can tell you it's because God in his kindness wants a relationship with you and he loves you. And I, and I think about those of us in the room who've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And, um, we grow, you know, that moment when you come to know him and salvation and how great the cross looks and how deep your need is for him somehow along the way in the path, we've just gotten numb to that. And we're in here studying Romans one, two, and three and why we need the gospel. And some of us in here are just like, I, I know I need the gospel. I'm ready to get to the second half of chapter three and dig deep into this theology and chapter four and this old Testament, how it ties together. I can't wait for that. We're kind of just flying through Romans one through three. And what should be happening, what we need to do and why it's so great to be where we're at, even as guys who have walked with the Lord for a long time, is, it, is a good time to pause and think long and hard over our need for the gospel. It's not something we ever move on from. The moral man is all of us. All of us have wronged the rights we declare and we need a savior. And some of us have just grown dull of our need for the Lord. I think one of the best Practical applications, if you're a believer out of Romans 2, as I think about my life and uh, what's going on and how God's used people around me, is this idea of admonishment and this idea of people calling out my wrongs and calling out my sin and repenting. Anytime one of us sins, that is our opportunity to go back to that moment of your deep need for the gospel. So if you've lost some sort of desire and need and understanding of what you need for the gospel, you've really lost our nature, lost our sinfulness. We've lost that idea that I am the wrong person. So my encouragement for you guys this week is to definitely be praying about, man, Lord, if if the gospel isn't something I'm thinking about daily, your goodness, your kindness, how you, the creator, would find a way to reconcile me to you. And uh, I've kind of slipped into, I figured out this game. I know what I should and shouldn't do. And I do more times what I should than I shouldn't. So I kind of think I don't need you as much as I used to. Paul's just pausing us in Romans two and especially in Romans three, you guys will get to next week of our need and desire for him. So let me pray for us and we'll break out and you guys will go spend some time with other men and get in the circle. God, just thank you for your word. Thanks for your patience and kindness and your forbearance in the way that you don't immediately punish all that we do right when we do it. And that is meant to show us that your love and kindness is waiting and ready Uh, to forgive us and pray even if we haven't heard that whistle and the foul that hasn't been called yet we would know that one day every wrong will be punished and we can choose now to come to you in grace or in humility and rely on your grace and trust your provision for us or we can wait till that final day when your judgment's coming and I pray you would create in this room just men of humility a deep longing and need and understanding of a a need for your righteousness to be revealed to us through faith and that we would just walk humbly with you. I pray that this room, we would be the most humble men in the world because we understand Romans 1, 2, and 3. We understand where we fit into Paul's argument of our need for the gospel and the the clarity there is about why we need it through creation and through our conscience and how it bears witness against us. So be with us. Use these guys in their time. Pray you would use the relationships and the leaders and questions to provoke thought that would lead to life change and transformation where we would be a city on a hill. And just help us to be unashamed this week for the gospel. So we love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.